What's up, everybody? My name is Adam Badger, and welcome to Talkin' Fit. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening to Talkin' Fit. I appreciate it, as always. Just my quick spiel. If you get any value out of this episode, which I know that you will today, especially today because we have an awesome guest, uh, just please share it to your Instagram story, share it to your Facebook wall, send the link to your friends. If you want to be extra awesome, leave a five-star review uh, and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. It's really the only way that a free podcast like this can grow is through word of mouth. Uh, so anything that you guys can do, if you feel like this, this is a valuable episode, just please share it out. If you feel like there's no value in it and you thought it sucked, let me know that as well, and I can always try to make it better. So we have our most popular guest back today, and we're both probably going to forget that we're also filming this on camera. So, um, But my wife, Megan Badger, which is still the most listened to episode, is the episode that you were on. Uh, so we're having her back today to talk about a really important topic, and uh, just want to say hi. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, just if you don't know who my wife is, uh, could you give them a quick little rundown about your background and, and what you do as a nutritional therapy practitioner? Sure. Um, my name is Megan, and uh, I struggled personally with pregnancy loss and fertility struggles, which um, you know made me want to learn more and understand why this was happening. So I became a certified nutritional therapy practitioner. And since then, I have started my business, Mama Eats, which supports women struggling to conceive in pregnancy and in postpartum. And one thing that we talk about a lot, uh, me and Meg privately, and also we've talked about on, on the podcast before, is that even though she focuses mainly on women trying to conceive, the stuff that we're talking about isn't just about women trying to conceive. In order for a woman to be healthy enough to conceive, their body has to be in a very healthy state. It can't be in a very damaged, stressed state. So uh, the stuff we're talking about today is not about women trying to conceive. This is about men and women across the board who want to know exactly what it means when you hear like, I have a slow thyroid or I have hypothyroidism. So what we're talking about today is what really causes what? Does your sluggish thyroid cause you to gain weight? Or is the weight gain what causes the sluggish thyroid? So I'll chime in from uh, time to time and, and we'll converse on this. But Meg is the real expert on this stuff. And I really want you guys to get a ton of value out of this episode. So uh, Meg, can you give us a little bit of a background on you know what exactly the relationship is between your thyroid and your metabolism, how that affects weight gain, and uh, just kind of like the stigma behind a poor thyroid? Sure. So your thyroid is obviously a little uh, gland in your neck and it produces hormones that are needed by your body. Um, your thyroid is actually the conductor of your metabolic train. So if, it, if your metabolism was a train, your thyroid is the conductor, it is driving it. It controls your entire metabolism. It is what will drive oxygen and glucose into your cells for use and which is what heats up your body and speeds up your metabolism. So super important. It also helps to uh, take food and turn it into energy. It also supports your immune system. Um, it supports removal of nitrogen from your body. So, you know, important part of detoxification. Um, but it honestly impacts every single process within your body. So super important to have a regulated thyroid. And unfortunately, a lot of the population doesn't. And I talk about this with, you know, my fertility clients and but our body thrives on being safe and our body thrives on having an abundance of energy so when we don't have those two things our body and our cells have to start adapting they have to start changing to help us function in this depleted state and unfortunately one of the consequences of that is often having a poor or sluggish thyroid so yeah, and and uh, people, I think people forget that like a major process that your body has to go through. You know, sorry, that's my dog in the background. Um, a big a big process that your body has to go through in order to. Quick pause for a second to make our dog shut up. Um, a uh, a process that your body goes through is fat burning. Like your body. Uh, you know, processing, getting rid of fat or what people would call fat burning, your body's ability to lose weight, your body's ability to build lean muscle, that comes from your metabolism, if I'm not 
mistaken. So uh, when you have a sluggish thyroid, it can make it harder to lose fat. And that's kind of what we're getting at here is uh, a lot of people have this idea that if you have a slow thyroid, that it makes it impossible to lose weight. They almost look at it as like this like red mark on you that you're always gonna be overweight and uh, that it's maybe something that they've always had since birth. So can you speak a little bit on that? Like, you know, the is that a is that a myth that like people just have a sluggish thyroid or is it their behavior that generally causes the sluggish thyroid? And that's the main topic. We're gonna get more detailed on that, but just kind of a broad uh, idea. Um, yeah, I mean, no kid is born hypothyroid, you know, it's behavior and environment. And, you know, there's there's genes that can predispose you to something but it's ultimately your environment that is going to impact whether those things you're genetically disposed to are going to develop or not um so you know people like to get hung up on like epigenetics and your genes and you know how they're expressing themselves and they're expressing themselves because of the energy that you give your body so your energetics is what controls your epigenetics so if you want your genes to behave in a healthy way then they need an abundance of energy and ample nutrients on board um which which uh, which completely goes against what most people think of when they think of weight loss right like they're thinking oh i want to lose weight i need to restrict i have to restrict 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 and they don't realize that that sort of mindset is what causes them to sometimes have the sluggish thyroid or have the poor thyroid um, you know, obviously like unnecessary weight gain or, or, or gaining an, uh, a ton of weight over the course of your life, having a sedentary lifestyle is not good either. But when you're overly restricting your body with nu- from nutrients, like that's not good for your thyroid either. Yeah. So, you know, what are, what are some things besides just like over restriction or weight gain that can affect your thyroid? Um, well, I mean, at the end of the day, it has to go back to what communicates to my body that it's safe and what communicates to my body that it's not safe. Um, and anytime that we are, you know, withdrawing energy, anytime we are, um, you know, communicating that our body's not safe, that's just, you know, a mark on the unsafe side. And once those marks outweigh the safe side then you know our body like i said just has to adapt our 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 thyroid will slow down and that's what i kind of want to get into it's like well how do you know if you have hypothyroid well yeah like what are some of the symptoms of that yeah so like when you go to the doctor your doctor will run tsh which is the most unreliable way to measure thyroid health because tsh is at the end of the day it's a pituitary hormone that tells your thyroid hey like make more t4 um, and it's, it's like one stop on the thyroid roadmap because there's a lot of hormones involved in your thyroid. So once TSH communicates to your thyroid to make T4, your thyroid starts to make T4, which is inactive. T4 cannot be used by the body. It has four iodine molecules. And then it travels down to your liver and your liver actually is responsible for removing one of those iodine molecules and then it becomes T3. T3 is then delivered to your cells for use to make energy so you know you can see very easily like the tsh number isn't going to be a super accurate indicator of overall thyroid health because there could still be issues with t4 numbers t3 numbers your liver might be really shot and you might not be converting your thyroid hormone um so that's that's, sorry to interrupt but that's interesting so essentially like so what you're saying just to kind of dig into that a little bit more is like when a doctor says we're going to run some tests to uh, you know check on your thyroid and it says your th tsh is a little low or low is bad no high is bad okay so your 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 tsh is high right and they're like oh uh this means you have a bad thyroid it could mean you know maybe your liver is a little under functioning it could mean there's a lot of stuff in that chain that could be off so uh and correct me if i'm wrong so if if the if it's producing tsh and that Uh, transfers through and goes all the way down to the liver if something's off in that chain it can just kind of like back up the tsh where it is so that's what would mark it as high well basically what happens is your hypothalamus is in your brain it's like a thermostat it's constantly sensing what your body needs more of what it needs less of that sends a message to your pituitary when it senses that your thyroid hormone is getting low and Mm -hmm. it says hey pituitary 
tell thyroid to start making T4. So your pituitary sends TSH to your thyroid to be like, hey, start making more thyroid or hey, back off, you don't need to make as much. Okay. So what happens is when your thyroid isn't functioning properly, your pituitary is sending a message like, hey, make thyroid hormone. And then your hypothalamus is like, nope, we still don't have enough. Hey, make more. Hey, make more. So the higher your TSH is getting, it's almost like your pituitary is yelling at your thyroid, being like, make thyroid hormone, but it's just not. Or if it is, all that T4 is going to your liver and maybe not being converted and it's not getting into your cells for use. So like there's some disconnect along this long chain, but we don't know where it is just by measuring TSH. And another issue is that hypothyroid often does not show up when you only get TSH done because you know it takes a long time for blood numbers to actually change but also if you're real stressed which you know is one of the contributing factors to hypothyroid cortisol can actually lower TSH so it can make it appear like it's within range even though it's not it's just because your cortisol is so so high um, and then also cortisol will deactivate you know your t3 which isn't helpful either so a lot of times people go to their doctor get this test it looks normal another issue is that the range is very very large like for what can be considered healthy um so you know those are some of the issues but i think there's you know a lot of people walking around with a lot of these symptoms that i'm gonna list and they're clear symptoms of maybe not pure you know, you're not there yet hypothyroid, but like you're on the track to be there. Um, so these are like typical symptoms of thyroid dysfunction, having a sluggish thyroid. Um, so you would have a lower basal body temp. Um, I know like for me personally, when I'm working with my clients, I make them track their basal body temps because it's helpful in pinpointing fertility. But on the regular, most people are not taking their basal body temperature, which is your waking morning temperature before you get out of bed. But if you did, you would notice if you are suffering from, you know, sluggish thyroid, it's probably going to be in the 96 to low 97 range, maybe even colder. Um, and you're going to also have a decrease in energy, a decrease in your heart rate. You're going to be less resistant to the cold, almost like intolerant to cold, um, poor circulation, chronic low energy, um, you might have like brain fog, poor attention, you could have hair and skin issues. So hair in the sense of like really dry, brittle hair or even just like losing your hair. Um, believe it or not, all of our hair follicles actually have thyroid hormone receptors right in them. Um, and so when they don't get the nutrients and energy they need, they, they either become dormant and stop growing or they just kind of die and fall out, which is what we see with you know a lot of hair loss. Um, We'll also see skin issues like acne, dry skin, um, on your, your fingernails also, like if you get lots of brittle, cracking, peeling nails, um, and then sleep difficulties. So this would be either insomnia, having trouble falling asleep, or waking in the morning and feeling like you didn't get restful sleep. Um, and then also slow digestion, because at the end of the day, what your thyroid does when it senses that you're stressed is it slows everything down to conserve energy. So this is why your body temp goes down. This is why your heart rate slows because it's like, okay, we're stressed. Let's slow everything down. We don't want to use too much energy because we don't know when we might need that energy. So this is what all these symptoms kind of look like. You get poor circulation because it prioritizes keeping blood near your major organs. It doesn't prioritize getting blood to your extremities like your hands and feet, which is why, you know, Sluggish thyroid is usually cold hands and feet. Um, it wants to keep blood near your major organs. Same thing with fat. You might start to gain weight around your, you know, your midsection. It wants to keep your organs warm and protected, and that's what fat does. Um, it also will just hold on to fat. You might notice that you're gaining weight in a different way than you've ever before, um, or you're having a really hard time losing weight, and this is all because your body, like when you start to eat food, will just kind of hold on and store a lot of that as fat because it needs to keep you protected and insulated and it doesn't know when this stressful situation is going to end but and, and another thing too is i i know sometimes sometimes meg will get on me for overly simplifying some of this stuff but one thing that she's talking about there is um if your body if you think about that logically if your body's metabolism is 
trying to conserve energy, you have low energy, your body processes are working slower. Like, what do you think that means overall? Like, you're also burning less calories in a day. So it that's another reason why it can make it harder to lose weight is because the food that you are eating, even if you feel like you're eating quote unquote healthy, it's harder to create a healthy calorie deficit because you're burning less calories throughout the day. And this can lead to that behavior of, so, you know, I, I don't know if you were ready to get into this side of it, but just kind of like those, the, the, we'll talk about this in a minute is like the hypothyroid kind of avatars, like the, the types of people and the, the spectrum that you see in behaviors and, and just type body types uh, with this. But essentially what I'm getting out here is all these things are happening because your body is in such a stressed state that your thyroid is causing things to slow down which a side effect of that is burning less calories in a day, not being able to build lean muscle. So if you're listening to this for overall health, that's awesome. But if you're also listening to this, like, all right, when are you guys getting to like the fat loss part? This is it. Like if your body's working slower, you're not burning a lot of calories throughout the day. So it makes, it puts you in this vicious cycle of either having to eat less and less and less and putting yourself in a more and more in stress state. And there's a tipping point to that, or you're going to eventually have to suck it up and heal this stuff so that you can then get to the other side where you can actually have the health and the body that you want if that makes sense mm -hmm. so, so what was what was next and then just a couple other symptoms would be chronic pain like joint muscle that type of pain um and this is because when our when everything slows down when our thyroid gets really really slow it causes our um estrogen actually can cause our muscles, cartilage, joints to retain fluid. Um, and so then it just makes it painful because all of our, everything's basically inflamed. It's, it's filled up almost with fluid. Um, and then the last thing would be having, you know, anxiety and depression. Um, stress substances like adrenaline, cortisol, um, they psychologically make your body more nervous and stressed, which is good if we're in like a fight or flight instance and we need to be that heightened. But when we like live in that place, um, it's just, it's not really great for our mental health um, and can contribute to anxiety and depression. Um, so if you're like, yes, like this sounds like me, like then, you know, your thyroid might be a little bit on the sluggish side. Um, and uh, it doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. It doesn't mean like you have to feel and live this way for the rest of your life, but you're gonna have to take the time to, you know, really prioritize getting an abundance of energy in your body and communicating to your body that it's safe because chances are you've been doing things that go against your body's biological preferences. You know, our body wants to sleep at night. It wants sunlight. It wants to be outside. Um, you know, it thrives on carbs as its main energy source. Um, you know, it it needs certain things that our society kind of just sways us to do the opposite. You know, we're eating low carb and we're never outside and we're in front of blue light all the time. So like these behaviors added up over time just add to our stress bucket till it's just overflowing and our body's like, you know what, we can't keep up anymore. So now we're just adapting to survive. Yeah, and I think the the important part to to kind of pinpoint there is that we're saying that your behavior probably led to this condition, and instead of getting like triggered or insulted by that or taking that as an attack on your character, think about it as like, oh, I I got myself into this hole. That means I can get myself out of it. It means that you can change these things through behavior, and it doesn't mean. I think sometimes people take these this this sort of conversation as almost a offensive like oh you're saying that like i it's my fault or whatever like yeah in a certain way it is but it doesn't mean that your circumstances didn't lead you to this like we can get into we don't have to get into the whole thing but like how childhood trauma and things like that can lead to the decision making you have as an adult but at the end of the day like if you're a person who works full time who has kids who's married who owns a home you got a lot going on there is a lot of stress that's gonna be on your plate on a day-to-day -day basis and you adding more stress by some of the behaviors that we've been talking about or that we will talk about um it's just going to make the situation worse so i think a, a big thread through this is going to be really identifying stressors that you can control and stressors that you can't and really focusing on the ones that you can control and figuring out ways to better handle the ones that maybe you can't control. Like you can't necessarily control whether or not your kids are going to be crazy that day, but you can control how you react and the behaviors that, you know, you kind of uh, lean into when you're stressed. 
I also think as a society, like, we're all stressed and it's, like, the thing to be. It's, like, we all have to it's be normal. go, go, go. Like, yeah. everyone, you got to be the, the person that, like, has the family, has the nice house, has the kids, is running the soccer practice, like, also in great shape and making all these delicious recipes. Like, it's just, it's too much. Um, and I also think there's a lot of stressors that people don't realize are, you know, quote, unquote, stressors that are going to be impacting your overall metabolism and thyroid so i want to just kind of break down some of those really quick so the first ones are like you know what we know of as stress psychological stressors emotional stress and this could be like bills you know uh argument with your husband um like information overload at work um Kids. you know yeah like the emotional psychological stress yeah. that we can all kind of you know agree with and understand like yes I know that's stressful in my life but there's other kind of stress too and this is where I think people do the most damage because you don't necessarily always feel or see these stressors but they're there and they're contributing to your overall stress bucket mm -hmm. so the first one would be cycle or sorry physical stressors so this would be like when you're sick trauma illness um accident if you get hurt injury um, all of these are like stressors on the body. Um, another one, another the, the last two big ones are the ones that like we don't really see or feel the most, but like metabolic stressors. So this would be fasting, not eating breakfast, having imbalanced blood sugar, um, you know, things that are going to impact our metabolic processes, like at the cellular level. Like, for example, imbalanced blood sugar, if you grab an apple and eat it for snack apple's super healthy but still going to cause a blood sugar spike when you have a blood sugar spike that elicits a stress response in your body because your body's like oh no oh no we got to get this blood sugar where it needs to go and then on the opposite end of that let's say you eat that apple and then you don't eat for six more hours now your blood sugar has completely dropped bottomed out again you're eliciting a stress response your body's like shit shit like get, we need energy so and then what do the people do normally? Drink some caffeine, right? Like yeah. you get into that, yeah, you get into that like, sh that kind of midday slump and you're low energy because you're underfed, like chronically underfed. Not that I didn't eat that much today, but like chronically underfed day after day, week after week, month after month. And then you just try to remedy that with like more caffeine, which is also kind of a stress. Yeah, so caffeine, you know, will elicit a stress response. How's I take a sip of coffee? when it's taken on an empty stomach um but again like these are things like that are happening like metabolic stressors are things that are gonna be happening at the cellular level that you might not necessarily feel happening all the time i mean if you have very low blood sugar you might feel it but like as far as that blood sugar spike you might not feel it or another thing is we're really good at ignoring the symptoms in our body like that's the way our body communicates is through symptoms um, and we're just like really good at ignoring them. We walk around with like chronic dysfunction and all these, like I have clients that come to me and they list, I'm like, I don't even know how you make it through the day with all these symptoms. But like, they're just like, oh, I just, I didn't even know. It's like, because we have like no body awareness anymore. Like doctors just, we go to the doctor and they say, it's you're fine, it's in your head. No, that's normal. So then we're just like, okay, I guess this is just like how I'm supposed to feel. Or, or on the other end of that, it's just constantly taking like a medicine to mask that symptom. So mm -hmm. like think of like some common ones that we see a lot with our clients is like uh, sleep issues or digestive issues. That's not normal. It's not normal for someone to take an Ambien to fall asleep. It's not normal for someone to like feel like if they eat a slightly more than normal at breakfast that they're just digestively bloated and feel like crap the rest of the day or have things like heartburn or indigestion. Like these aren't normal things and they're all things that are very fixable through the behavior changes that we're talking about. It's just people go to the doctor, they just try to mask the symptom. So then I think metabolic stressors really get, you know, that's a big one. Um, eating low carb is another, gonna be another metabolic stressor. Like at the end of the day, your body thrives on glucose. It needs glucose um, and so, you know, when your liver runs out of that stored glycogen, you start running on cortisol. Um, so, you know, these are all just things throughout the day that can like stress response, stress response, stress response, stress response. And like what I'm saying is we have this bucket and when that bucket starts overflowing, it's, you know, that's when now we're, now we're in survival mode. Now we are adapting. And then the last one that I think is a really big one is environmental stressors. So this will come from like, 
you know, air pollution, you know, things that we can't necessarily control the air we breathe, but also things like drinking tap water, um, contaminants in things like nonstick cookware, uh, like BPAs and plastic, and then all of like the toxins in our food, pesticides, high fructose corn syrup, vegetable oils, like this list goes on and on. And I feel like this is the hardest one to get people to change because they don't see it and don't feel it. You know, you don't well, feel... They, they feel it. It's just they don't know that's what's causing right. it. Right. Yeah, yeah. But like you don't... It's not like a direct correlation. You know, it's not like... It's not like they eat vegetable oil and they break out in hives. Right. Yeah, it's just a chronic so, condition over and over. But when you're thinking about, you know, your day, you have to include those types of environmental stressors as well. And it'll also go for like things in your beauty products and things in your cleaning products. And, you know, the list goes on and on and it's scary and it can be overwhelming. But, you know, as long as we are, you know, going to try to make choices to make better you know, get better options, use cleaner products, you know, we can reduce that toxic burden that we'll get from those things. But again, remember our liver detoxes our body. And then I also just said that our liver converts our T4 to T3, liver makes hormones, you know, like our liver has 500 jobs in the body. It's not just to detox. So when it's overburdened, because we have too many toxins, it can't do the things it needs to do, like converting thyroid hormone. Um, So this is where, you know, the dysfunction really starts to occur as well. And, and I think another one too is, you know, this one probably gets talked about a decent amount too, but also things like when you're when you're adding up all those over and over and over and you're, and you're looking at this chronically stressed pro- person, and if you resonate with that, like another thing that people sometimes do to sort of deal with that stress is drink alcohol. And alcohol is also very to- taxing on the liver. Now, not, now, I think Meg would agree with me on this, that none of the stuff that we're saying is like, oh, you need to 100% cold turkey. You have to eliminate all this stuff. We're not saying that not to drink alcohol. We we like to we like to have drinks on a weekly basis, like one or two times a week. It's not like you have to cut all of this stuff out. What we're saying is that this stuff adds up and it compounds over time. So if you have all these things, you're eating highly processed foods, you're yo-yo dieting, you're chronically dieting, you're either over-exercising or you're drastically under-exercising, you're sleeping poorly, you have all these metabolic stressors, and you're drinking alcohol you know, in excess multiple times per week. Like, no medicine you take is gonna fix that. Like speaking of the stress bucket, it's literally like having a bucket that's overflowing and you have a hose in the bucket filling it up with more and more water and your solution is to lay towels around the bucket to pick up the excess spillover instead of just figuring out a way to like tie off the hose so it stops filling up. So that's generally what people do is they have this overflowing stress bucket and they're trying to clean up the spill without stopping the overflow of the stress going into the bucket. I just came up with that analogy too, and I think that was pretty good. It's fabulous. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think like when we're thinking, oh, do I have a lot of these symptoms? You know, what led me to this? And it's the things I was just talking about. It's stressors of various sorts is what ultimately leads to poor thyroid function. And I think the reason that it's kind of hard for people that wrap their brains around this or even like doctors because everyone's path everyone's road to this place can and will look very very different myself for example when i was like struggling with pregnancy loss and fertility issues i was counting macros i was eating 1300 calories a day i was doing 5 a.m fasted hit workouts i was skipping meals Like if I could make it to like 1 p.m. without eating, I'd be like, oh my God, think of all the calories I saved today. Um, I had imbalanced blood sugar. She would do like jumping jacks at the side of the bed to try to close her Apple Watch rings for the day. Yeah, like what a psychopath. But like, um, you know, I was, you know, taking care of a loved one at the time who was ill on top of working. Um, You know, so there was a lot going on that's kind of what my path looked like my body was undernourished underfed and i was driving it into the freaking ground but i'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that too like working full time getting up at the crack ass of dawn working out rushing to work being at work all day then she would come home We'd, she'd be home for maybe 20 minutes. We'd turn around, like she said, we were taking care of her grandpa at the time, so she, we'd, she'd go to her grandpa's house and be there for a long period of time. That was day after day after day. And I, I'm, 
I you know don't even question the fact that Meg would agree with me. Like obviously, like she wouldn't trade being able to take care of her grandpa to to get that extra sleep. But a lot of people are in that position. I have clients who take care of loved ones who who have children or maybe have you know spouses or parents that have needs to be met, and you have to be there for other people. So. I think a big thing that Meg would agree on is during that period of time, she probably could have done more to prioritize her health, even though she was still going to be consistent with all the other stuff. Like she's not gonna quit her job to fix her diet, right? You're not gonna like stop taking care of a loved one so that you can, you know, track your macros better. But there are ways during those stressful periods of life when you feel like you have so much on your plate that you can make these changes and instead of these changes being viewed as inconveniences or more overwhelm or more stress, think of the value that putting yourself first in certain categories of life will will do for you and also for the people around you that you need to take care of. Yeah. And I think, you know, I didn't know at the time, I didn't know that 5 a.m. fasted cardio slash hit workouts Where was the goal doing was to feel like you're dying. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that – you know, I didn't know drinking coffee on an empty stomach. I didn't know skipping meals. Like, I didn't know any of this. But – you, you can only make decisions and you can only live your life with the information you have. And now you have this information. So like, you know, it's up to you what you do with that, you know? And I think that as adults and especially women in particular, but like we put everyone else before ourselves. Like we take care of everyone. We will go without for our children and our families. Like we will have, you know, we will do nothing for ourselves and everything for everyone else. And this, I think, you know, can begin to lead to this place of being undernourished. So I like to tell my clients, you know, I want you to think of your body as your child or a precious little person that you're taking care of. And maybe they're sick or you're just making sure that they're healthy on a regular basis. What would you instill in them to how would you take care of them to make sure that they're healthy? So if this little person's getting up and going to school, are you going to say, yeah, don't eat breakfast. Go ahead. get Head out the door. Here's no. A of, here's a cup of coffee. Yeah, like absolutely <laughs> not. You're going to be like, no, you need a balanced breakfast so you can focus and feel good. And are you going to... You're, are you going to run out the, let them run out the door without a lunch or snack packed? Of course not. You're going to make sure they have a healthy snack and a lunch that's going to keep them full throughout the day. You're going to make sure that, you know, that they have love and feel, you know, emotionally supported. Like, I want you to think of your body like that. Treat your body like a child right now. And this doesn't have to be something that you do for the rest of your life. But when you're in like a healing phase, when you're trying to speed up your metabolism, support your thyroid... That's what you need to do because the, the life that we live, the life that society portrays that we should be living is like just leading to chronic illness, disease, infertility. This is what living in a stressed environment does. So the more we can try to limit those stressors or do things to de-stress, we'll be supportive of that. Um, another thing I have all of my clients do is, you know, they have to tell me things that they did throughout the week to de-stress and it could be something so stupid like taking an Epsom salt bath that's not a big deal you could easily fit that into your day but it's very supportive and it helps you relax or if you had a really bad day it might be like going out to dinner with your husband or going on a walk with your dog or calling up your friend and laughing till you want to pee your pants you know but like it, you have to do something for you and something to you know kind of work on your stress levels because going to bed every night when your stress is through the roof is only going to manifest as poor health and it's not even just related to weight like poor thyroid is going to lead to so many other chronic scary diseases later in life yeah like think about if your body's not working at well i won't even say like optimal capacity because like you know we don't even have to be in an optimal state to see success with this stuff. But if your body's not performing efficiently on a regular basis, like think about all the organs and the, the functions in your body that suffer when you are unintentionally putting yourself in a chronically stressed environment over and over and over again, compounded with, again, I know this is like a fitness podcast so people want to know about losing weight, but like compounded with the constant focus on the scale or needing to lose weight or going on these crash diets and these fad diets to try to lose weight and then you know gain it back think about the stress that that causes on your body as well so 
take all this stuff in and really understand that we're coming at you from a place of honestly, obviously wanting to help, but we're not perfect with this shit either. Like we both get stressed. Like we both own businesses. We both, we have a two year, two and a half year old son. Like we want to have another baby. Like we have a house. We get stressed too. And sometimes we handle that stress great. And sometimes we don't. But if you were to look at an entire year from the time me and Meg met to now, we've made really good, steady improvements in the way we handle stress and the way we, and, and our lifestyle changes. And I've just noticed, you know, even on my, my highest stress days, I'm better in a better place now than I would have been maybe like two years ago. So just understand the compound effect of making these small changes that we don't expect you to do all this stuff at once. But if you can just start with like a couple of these things and start making some headway, you'll get the reverse compound effect of what you've been doing for the last few years. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think too, a lot of times um, when we're talking about like the weight thing, and we're going to talk about, you know, thyroid avatars that we've created, but, um, you know, on each end of the spectrum, I think a lot of times hypothyroid, people just automatically think overweight, mm -hmm. um, which does go hand in hand with, you know, being overweight, obesity, that type of stuff. But on the other hand, you can be hypothyroid and not be any of those things. Um, you can be unhealthily underweight. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we came up with two avatars kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and we kind of want to go through what their roadmap to thyroid dysfunction would look like. Um, so I'll let Adam. All right. Yeah. Take so, it away. so basically, we, we, we basically came up with like two ends of the spectrum. And like Meg said before, everyone's uh, journey to being in this sort of chronically stressed state, and doesn't even have to be like diagnosed hypothyroidism, but just in a, a stressed, sluggish thyroid that's making it harder for you to either lose weight or be in optimal health like, like Meg was talking about. So these are the two ends of the spectrum and understand there's a lot of gray area. You could fall uh, in the middle or towards one end and not be you know, only one of these two uh, people is what we're talking about. So. One end of the spectrum is like that set, the, the average sedentary American lifestyle. So this is someone who is, you know, 20 to uh, 20 plus or 30 plus pounds overweight. Uh, they're sitting at a desk eight to 12 hours a day. Uh, they're going, they're sitting in their car to go into work, then sitting on a desk all day, then coming home, then sitting on the couch. They're either staring at a screen all day, they're staring at TV, they're eating highly processed foods, they're over consuming calories. They're gaining weight year over year. Uh, they have poor health issues. Like this is that one end of the spectrum. So this can be like the person who is maybe uh, you know morbidly obese or very very overweight, and they also have a very sedentary lifestyle that's filled with a lot of overconsumption of calories. Then you have the other end of the spectrum, and this is like the chronic over exerciser slash under eater, and this is one that surprisingly we probably see. As Meg scrolls on her phone, uh, <laughs> so uh, as we as we uh, we probably deal with this one maybe more frequently, uh, just because we're both in like the nutrition slash kind of fitness space, so we see a, this a lot. The chronic over exerciser slash under eater or even chronic dieter. This is someone who uh, this one I feel like you can have fit two different people into this category. One is like the person who you see who maybe is like the super skinny group fitness instructor who like you think has a perfect body, but underneath the hood, there's a lot of stuff going on, hormonal issues, uh, metabolism issues, you know, hair loss, all that stuff. Digestive. Digestive issues, sleep issues, you know, just cause they look good on the outside doesn't mean there's a lot of uh, positive stuff going on under the hood. But then you have the other person who is not overweight, but they just can't seem to get the lean physique that they, they want, even though they feel like they're doing everything right. So they're dieting, they're eating clean, quote unquote, they're exercising five, six days a week, and they're wondering like, why is it that I feel like I'm actually almost gaining body fat, even though I'm doing all this stuff right? And this is the other end of the spectrum where people are just in this hyper-stressed state, over-exercising, under-eating, and then just compounding that over and over and over again to the point that they're burning off muscle, they're slowing down their metabolism. So that's the two ends of the spectrum. And again, you can fall somewhere in the middle or more towards one end than the other, but that is the two most common avatars you'll see that are, are suffering from these sort of things. Yeah, and the roadmaps that those two avatars took are very Drastically different. different yeah. So like the person who is sedentary, overeating, work, you know, works behind a computer all day, like they're getting stressed from overexposure to blue light. 
they're getting, you know, their body's slowing down because it's recognizing that like, oh, well, we don't really move much. So let's just slow things down because we don't need to be burning this many calories at rest. We also don't have any muscle and muscle is metabolically supportive because it is your body has to remain warm to maintain it. It's your more body, expensive to keep muscle on right, your body. Right, your body like has that, to yeah. be warm to maintain it. So, like, when you're at rest, your muscle is constantly, you know, being maintained, and that requires heat, so it, you know, speeds up your metabolism. So when you don't have that, your body's like, okay, well, I'll slow down here. And then, you know, the overeating or even just, like, maybe overconsumption of fast food or processed foods, like I said, those are environmental stressors. Like, the shit that is in those food is not helping your body whatsoever. Um, And then those people probably, you know, have some depressive slash anxiety-ridden things going on also, which, you know, can just be another stressor in the bucket. So, like, that person's... And this is actually something that you talked about on on another podcast, a friend of the show, um, Rossi, but it's called Between... Is it Between Me and You or Between You and Me? It was a podcast Megan did recently, but she went in detail on how like some of these deficiencies can actually manifest themselves in mental health issues. So sometimes, again, we're not downplaying mental health issues at all. Some people just have you know, chemical imbalances and things like that. But there are t- occasions where this sort of behavior can deplete you so much that it actually starts to manifest itself in mental health issues like depressive tendencies and like anxiety and stuff like that. Yeah, and like I said, when you're running on stress hormones, that just makes your brain more anxious more nervous because it has you kind of on cue to be ready to react to whatever the stress is also when you're stressed you burn through your minerals your body uses them up to handle the stress and we need minerals for you know optimal functioning in our body but especially you know in our brain um so when we have lots of mineral imbalances this can also lead to you know more mental health issues as well but I don't know how we got sidetracked talking about mental health. Thank you, Adam. Um, but we were talking about the person who, like, you know, sedentary job, not working out, over-consuming food. So those stressors that they had look very different from a person who is doing all of the things, you know, over-exercising, a.k.a. stress, um, under-eating, another stress, maybe fasting or skipping meals, another stress. Um, you know, like, their stress pathway looks very different but it gets to the same place because at the end of the day it's always back to what creates a safe body and what creates an abundance of energy and like I say with my fertility clients I'm like you can't get pregnant unless you have a surplus of energy because having a baby is an extra yes it's your biological design to do that but your body will never put you at risk to make a baby because that's a, that's an extra. It's a bonus that you get if you have enough energy. And it's the same thing for like all of the other things, having, you know, tons of energy, feeling good, sleeping well. Like these are things that you have to have enough energy to, you know, having good digestion. That's a huge one. Like we have to have enough energy on board for those things to happen. Yeah, being lean and toned. Like people want to be lean and toned. Like your body's not going to prioritize that over survival. So if you're chasing this like lean tone physique and that's your main goal, you can't get there through this like chronic dieting, overly stressed behavior because your body's going to be like, well, fuck you. Like we're not, we're not going to build muscle and burn fat when you are sleeping poorly. You're, you have di- these digestive issues. You're under chronic stress and your thyroid is, your thyroid is under functioning. Like you're not going to prioritize the things that we're talking about if you're in this state. Yeah. And I think you know we've been talking for like what 40 minutes now and so you're like okay cool like shut up like tell me what do i do now to like how do i fix this um and honestly the answer is going to be different for everyone because it's it's honestly what your own body needs to be safe so for the person that's behind blue light all day not working out eating bad food that's going to maybe look like eating more nutrient-dense food, getting some more nutrients on board, um, moving your body, uh, getting out into sunlight, getting outdoors, um, using red light. Like those are gonna be some of the things that you need to do whereas the person that's over-exercising, under eating, like you need to eat more. Your body needs to know that you're going to, you know, fuel it properly. Or the over-exercising, you know, 
cut that re- shit back. Reduce it, yeah, yeah, reduce like, it down a little bit, yeah. So, um, but there are some basic things that I think go really far. Um, and they're what I use with my clients. They're called nutrition foundations. And it basically lays a foundational you know, level of safety in your body if you do these things every day. It's going to keep telling your body over and over, you're safe, you're safe, I'm fueling you, you're safe. Um, and, you know, you might roll your eyes at some of these, but the first one's going to be eating breakfast. I know, insert eye roll, insert, but I'm not hungry in the morning. Well, what, did I, the, I what did that? What did, what did someone say recently? Some of us are busy. Yeah. That was That's um, my favorite one. Some of us are busy. We don't have time to uh, make breakfast. I'm like... Dude, like, we're fucking busy too. And grand, and honestly, every client I work with is busy. Everyone's busy, and a lot of people have time to eat breakfast. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I, when I talk about eating breakfast, I mean eating within thirty to sixty minutes of waking. And the reason for this is, you know, over throughout the night, your liver has glycogen, your stored glucose that it runs off of, and when it runs out of that, first it releases cortisol. And when it releases cortisol, you are now running on stress hormones. This is why people will wake between that like 2 to 4 a.m. time and not be able to get back to sleep. You're running on cortisol when that happens. Your body's run out of glycogen. Yeah, melatonin and, uh, you know, sleep sleep aids are not going to fix that. Right. So, like, you've now run out of glycogen. You're running on cortisol. But then what happens is you're still laying in bed. You haven't refueled your body. So your body's like, we need fuel. So cortisol's like, don't worry, I got this. So it goes throughout your body and it starts eating your muscles and tissues. It breaks it down to release amino acids. And then those amino acids go to your liver and through this process called gluconeogenesis, it turns it into glucose for your body. So when you're not, yeah, when you're starved or like at night when you run out, you're literally eating your own muscles and tissues to make energy. So this is not an efficient way to, you know, have your body running or to even try to like maintain or build muscle. You're just gonna eat your own muscle. Which is why they like what I I talk about a lot is doing these crash diets where you lose weight very, very quickly. It's because your body's eating away at that muscle. And what happens? You get rid of that expensive tissue, so you burn less calories throughout the day and compound that over time. That's what that's what those over exercisers slash under eaters are doing, and that's why they can't you know get into the shape they want to get into because they're just chronically sacrificing muscle. Yeah. So when I say eat breakfast, it doesn't have to be like a full breakfast. It could be a small breakfast just to like get it in quick. Like personally, I usually do like a cup of bone broth with collagen and a piece of fruit. Or something's on the side that's going to give me glucose. And it's, it's important, <laughs> like, I think you've talked about this before, but just uh, that it's a balanced... That's a different nutrition foundation. Gotcha. You're skipping. Okay, sorry. You're skipping ahead. When Go we ahead. started this, I was like, you can just introduce me and I'll just talk. And you don't have no, to. No, I said, I said, should I just introduce you and then get off camera and go do something <laughs> else? <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so eating breakfast is huge. It's going to like start your day every morning by saying, hey, you're fueled and you're safe. The next one is going to be eating every three to four hours. Again, a lot of these foundations are going to be you know, related back to blood sugar. You'll notice a lot of them have to do with avoiding blood sugar issues, but blood sugar is a huge metabolic stressor. Um, and... 40% of the population is walking around pre-diabetic undiagnosed. So, you know, people are struggling with this. Um, and it definitely creates a sense of unsafety in the body. So the next one would be eating every three to four hours. Important to have a snack um, or meal every three to four hours. If you're finding that you're hungry before then, then you could even try to make that shorter. People that have, you know, chronic low blood sugar might find that. I personally find that, like, I need to eat by the three-hour mark. Um, But you see what works for you. If you're someone that has been doing intermittent fasting or you only eat three meals a day and there's six or more hours going between your meals, um, you might have to work up to this. You know, you might be like, well, I don't feel hungry. It's like, well, yeah, because your body isn't craving that fuel because it's just so used to getting it. It's suppressed your appetite. Yeah. But we can rebound that appetite by telling our body like hey i'm gonna feed you enough calories i'm gonna give you snacks you're gonna eat every few hours and that's honestly like what's one thing i noticed too is like when i get like super stressed whether it's work or whatever one of the immediate symptoms i notice is i don't have as much of an appetite so if you are going day to day with very little appetite congrats you're very stressed out (laughs) yeah slow metabolic like that's it's something that your body does it just suppresses your hunger um signals and it's just a sign that your 
you know, your body is slowing down because it's, it's not going to tell you you're hungry when it's stressed and doesn't know if it needs to fight off a bear or run from a bear. So it was uh, eat breakfast and yep. then eat every three to four hours. Yep. And then the next one is eat. This is the one Adam jumped the gun on, but having balanced macros. So ideally having a protein slash or fat and fat with a carb. Um, so don't eat that apple, even an apple super healthy, but don't eat it. Don't eat it naked. Don't eat it by itself. You know, eat it with a cheese stick, eat it with some cocktail shrimp, eat it with a bowl of yogurt, eat it with beef jerky, you know, pair it with something. Um, I'm actually, my post tomorrow is about, uh, building a snack template with different protein and carb options because I think snacks are hard for people. Meals are easier because, you know, you think about it ahead of time and, you have your certain things you go to, but snacks are a lot of times on the go. And and I also people... when you think snack, you think like carby type of yeah. pretzels, chips, things like that, or fats like nuts. Yeah. Um, yes. So then eat breakfast, eat th- every three to four hours, eat balanced macros. And then um, the next one's going to be eating enough. And I have all my clients go to tdeecalculator.net and they put in their body composition and it gives them like a rough estimate, estimate of what their ideal maintenance calories would be. And you would be shocked to see what this number is. Like mine personally is like 22 to 2400 calories. So I know like those that are out there eating 1500 calories a day are like, there's no fucking way I'm ever eating that much. But like you, your body needs it. And like the, the more you under eat and the more you deprive your body, you're just gonna, you know, create a space where it's going to be harder and harder to maintain the physique you do have or continue to lose weight because your body can only run that way for so long. Eventually it has to adapt and change. Um, and then, Also, in addition to eating enough calories, making sure you're having enough protein and enough carbs. So protein, minimum 100 grams. Obviously, I would like it to to see a higher, but like with my clients personally, I had 100 grams to start. And then for carbs, um, you know, we need carbs. Eating low carb, especially for cycling women, is super unhealthy. It's not, it doesn't support our hormones. It doesn't support our overall metabolism. Our body thrives on glucose and so i'm not going to get into the whole like keto thing but you know that could be a whole podcast yeah but like running on fat like there's only not every process in your body can run on fat so at some point your body has to get glucose from somewhere and it's going to come from that really stressful inflammatory process that i described earlier called gluconeogenesis where you're going to have to break down some of your you know your muscle to get that glucose um so yeah eating enough carbs is huge another thing that kind of goes along with slow thyroid is when your metabolism is slow you are a slow oxidizer which means your body requires more energy to break down your food and you know get the nutrients out of it so slow oxidizers should be eating lower fat not super low fat but like a moderate range um and it just makes sense because fat drastically slows down the absorption of your food and it, it slows it down. And when you're already a slow metabolizer, a slow oxidizer, it already takes you a lot of energy. It's already a big thing for your body to do that. And now when we eat like higher carb, like I would say anything over 85 grams of carbs a day, like when we get into that range, now we're just, we're slowing things down even more. We're making it even harder for our it's body. About fatter carbs. Sorry, fat. 80, oh, yeah, if you're eating over 85 grams, grams of fat, fat a sorry, day. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Um, it's just like you're just putting a more burden on your already slow, stressed body. So I usually recommend staying in like the 50 to 75 gram range. Um, if you're someone that like checked all these boxes for slow thyroid, if you have a slow thyroid, you have a slow metabolism because thyroid drives the train, yeah. you know? Um so and you got to do the last foundation yep the last one is a bedtime snack um and i know you're like well no i don't eat after 6 p.m because then i gain i gain weight but like this is bullshit and that waking the 2 to 4 a.m time you can literally alleviate that from happening if you have a, a protein and a carb 
snack about 30 minutes before bed, you're gonna give your liver that glycogen it needs, that glucose. It's gonna store it, and then it'll have enough to run through the night, and you're gonna get really sound sleep. I get way, I know I get way better sleep mm-hmm. when I have that. And another, another thing to, if you, I, we're throwing like these five foundations, foundations at you, if you notice, they all work with each other. So like, it sounds like a lot when you're like, oh, these are five things, which honestly isn't that many things, but five things, but they all work together. Like eating balanced, eating every three to four hours, eating the bedtime snack, eating enough calories and protein and carbs. Like if you're following one, it's easier to follow the other and it makes it, they really just go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, But the bedtime snack, again, will just really help you to get restful sleep. If you're waking in the morning and your alarm's going off and you're like, holy shit, I feel like I didn't even sleep. That's like a clear sign that you were running on cortisol during the night. Even if you didn't wake up, but like you, it's just showing that like you probably had really unrestful sleep. Um, It's a sign that your liver just needs some support. And your liver, a very healthy liver, can only store about seven to nine hours of glycogen. Most of us don't have super healthy livers. So, um, you know, if we stop eating at 6 p.m. and we don't eat again until 8 a.m., like, that's 14 hours. Like, you've 100% run out of glycogen and you are running on stress hormones. Um, So, yeah, those five foundations are really where to start in creating a safe body. Um, that's going to communicate to your body that you're fueling it well and, you know, that there's a safety within. And then the only other thing that's really supportive to focus on is... Would be to focus on minerals. So, you know, your minerals are the spark plugs of your body. They kick off all of these enzyme reactions and, you know, support all of the processes that need to occur. And like I said before, when we're stressed, we burn through our minerals. And um, this can, you know, lead to things not working the way that they're supposed to. Um, And so replenishing minerals, particularly uh, magnesium, sodium, and potassium are gonna be So you're like electrolytes, yeah. Yeah, like your electrolytes, basically. Calcium to potassium within the body is actually your thyroid ratio. So whatever your calcium level is compared to your thyroid or to your potassium is going to show how well your thyroid is operating. Many people get have plenty of calcium, but potassium tends to be low, and so when and then that throws this balance off, and so um, it doesn't let our cells be as sensitive to take on our thyroid hormone and our glucose. Potassium helps the cell to take all those things on. Um, but then we're just gonna, again, see those kind of hypothyroid symptoms creep up. So, you know, including lots of potassium-rich foods into your day, um, coconut water, aloe vera juice, cream of tartar, white potatoes, bananas, um, all of those things are gonna give you, you know, some nice potassium sources. Um, Adam and I both include adrenal cocktails into our day. This is a elixir made of a vitamin C source, so like some sort of juice. We usually use orange juice or pineapple juice. Um, and then you'll have a sodium source. We use sea salt and then a potassium source. We usually use cream of tartar, which you can find in your spice aisle. It's a white powder or coconut and it's like, water. And it's like six bucks and it'll last you a really long time. Yeah. yeah. Or you could do coconut water or aloe vera juice. Um, but we include two of these in our day, you know, of course, with a protein because it will spike your blood sugar. Um, but this is a really great way to get in. I like. I also like having it as like a pre-workout. Like uh, even if I'm working out midday, having like one of those uh, with a protein at 30 minutes before I work out, I get a way better workout. From yeah, doing that. and the reason for that is sodium um, helps our stress response. So it helps to um, maintain our cortisol a little. And obviously, when you work out, it's a stressor. So you know um, your cortisol is going to be elevated. So the sodium is protective of that. Um, and, and then as far as magnesium, I do usually recommend that everyone take a magnesium supplement. Um, I just think that, you know, we're super stressed. Magnesium is like the first mineral we go through and magnesium is so important. It, you know, it takes part in our, um, thyroid hormone conversion. Like it just, it's so important for so many different processes, 3,700 actually, um, within the body. So I usually recommend magnesium bicarbonate, which is a liquid or magnesium glycinate. But these would be things that you could do in addition to the foundations, but the foundations come first. So don't ignore the foundations and, and be like, just... I'm gonna go drink orange juice every day. <laughs> like you gotta have the found you can't build a house without the foundation being there first. Those other things are just, you know, gonna support 
having healthy yeah. minerals. And when your minerals are balanced and in a good place, you can respond to stress better. It improves your stress resiliency. And that's one thing I see with a lot of my clients. They'll be like, I can like, this happened today and normally I would have lost my shit and like I handled it really well. And I'm like, yeah, cause like you're replenishing your minerals. When you have your mineral stores high, you can handle stress better. It's interesting that I have a client who's, who I'm working with currently and, and that's one of the big progress markers that we've seen with her for making a lot of these changes is ability to handle stress better, better sleep, better appetite signals throughout the day. And like, it's, it's, it's just, all, it's crazy to just see that transition in someone. I just think it's interesting just to hammer this point home a little bit. Like if we list out those five foundations, you'll notice that most people, when they're thinking about uh, fat loss or healthy eating, they're doing the complete opposite of these. Like eating every three, like eating breakfast. No, I skip breakfast. Uh, eating at a bedtime snack. No, I skip that. Getting enough electrolytes. No, I eat low sodium and I avoid potatoes and bananas because it's carbs. Like it's just, it's just really interesting how everything that's essentially like gonna support a healthy, lifestyle and a good metabolism people run the other way either by living a sedentary lifestyle and eating like drastically overly processed foods and over consuming calories or they're starving themselves skipping meals uh, afraid to eat more calories and doing these crazy workouts uh just one thing i wanted you to touch on real quick um i've touched on this a ton on the podcast but just to get another perspective um maybe just some quick tips from an exercise perspective like um what are some exercise recommendations that you would give to someone um, maybe on both ends of the spectrum. I think the sedentary lifestyle one is the easiest one to make recommendations for because they really just need to like get out and walk more, maybe work out once or twice a week. But I guess more towards the chronic over-exerciser, this is a big hurdle for those people to get over because they're so afraid. They think of working out less as like, I'm going to start getting fat. And they're, thinking, and they're like, right, wait a second, you have to tell me, you're telling me I'm going to work out less and eat more and I'm going to get leaner? Like, how is that possible? Yeah. Um, well, you know, for someone that's doing like chronic HIIT workouts or tons of steady state cardio, you know, this doesn't lead to having lots of metabolically supportive muscle because, you know, once you get to a certain point in that workout, you are I basically just running on stress hormones. When you're to the point where you are like hyperventilating, um, your body's literally like not getting enough oxygen. So like you're just, you, that whole environment is just, you're running on stress hormones. Um, and, and even when you strength train, like there's, it, it's a stress on the body. But the, the good thing about strength training is, you know, when you're done, you're building muscle and then at rest, that muscle is now, you know, metabolically active. Whereas when you finish running 10 miles, you're done, that's it, it's over. And that was just a really big stress on your body with nothing to really show for it. Um, so if you, you know, I would limit the, you know, the hit workouts and this one was hard for me. I came from, that was like my jam, you know, I loved, I loved dying on workouts. <laughs> I used to love that feeling. And, but you know, there comes a point where you're like, the purpose of working out is not just to die. You know, it's yeah. not just to burn 400 calories on your Apple watch or close all your rings at the end of the day. Those are not markers of a workout being effective. supportive and effective to your body. But, um, you know, and like I was saying with that, you know, taking care of that little child, like you wouldn't want them to be driving themselves into the ground every day, you know, to be, a, to obtain a certain weight, you know? Um, so strength training and walking are gonna be your go-tos, regardless if you're, you know, the sedentary person or the person that's over-exercising, we need to get to a healthy balance where we're getting in enough steps, we're, we're walking, and then also, you know, building up some muscle. And this doesn't mean you have to, you know, go back squat 200 pounds, but, you know, each week if you're adding weight and getting stronger, that's gonna be really supportive of your metabolism and also really supportive of just telling your body, like, hey, I'm building up this muscle, you can speed up, you know, your the metabolism can speed up and start using energy more, and then naturally you'll just get leaner, get leaner yeah. because your body will be running hot all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's <clears throat> I talk about that all the time, it's something that's just, uh, you know, good for people to hear from another perspective. So uh, anything else that you wanted to touch on before we kind of wrap up? Um, no, I think that if you find that you had a lot of those symptoms and, you know, you 
want more information, I think getting a hair tissue mineral analysis is a really great tool. It's basically you cut some of your hair and you send it in and they send back your mineral status for the last three months. But like I was saying before, like your minerals are in ratio to one another and they relate to each area of your body, thyroid, blood sugar, metabolic rate, adrenal health, hormones, um, all immune health, all of that. So it basically sends you this you know, status of the last three months. And then you can look and see like, okay, what are my actual minerals? What, and this is a really great way to see what your thyroid looks like. Um, and so I think that can be a really helpful tool and you don't have to have a doctor. You can just order it and it comes to your house. Um, so those are, you know, another, another tool in the toolbox to help you learn more about your body. If you are interested in like truly healing and, um, taking a different approach but yeah you'll find that like you'll you'll cover a ton of ground by just getting those five foundations locked in like i know this a lot we talked for over an hour i know there's a lot of information here but uh what i've found and what meg's found just through years of coaching people is that it just comes down to the simple stuff consistently over time so if you can just work on nothing else but just get those five foundations down and get really consistent with it that'll get you 90 percent of the way there and just the the template of those foundations will guide you towards better food choices anyway so you will start getting your minerals up you will start getting your micronutrients up because you're going to be forced through that process to make better food choices because when you look at a slice of pizza you're going to realize oh this doesn't really fit this foundation i should probably moderate that not eliminate but moderate that and and there's a lot of foods in general that you'll start to make that decision over so um if people wanted to maybe get some more in-depth uh, breakdowns and information on this stuff. You know, where where can they find you? Where where are some good places to find you? Your information. Um, Mama eats. M A M A E A T S S. Two S's. Um, on Instagram, TikTok, MamaEats.com. Um, I have some blog resources there. I actually have a whole blog up there about thyroid health, not just pertaining to fertility, just overall thyroid health. Um, there is also a whole entire blog post about the adrenal cocktails if you wanted to learn more about those or get the recipe. Um, and then um, I also do the hair tissue mineral analysis um, and with recommendations if that's something that you want to pursue also. Yeah, so this, I mean, I know for me, like, uh, for example, like if even with all these foundations in place, like getting something like that done, that would be very overwhelming for me to have to analyze my own results and then make like a plan for myself, like even as a coach. So if you're someone who a lot of this stuff resonates with you and you're just like, I just need to know exactly what to do and you want a plan kind of broken down for you with recommendations, like Meg does offer that uh, as a service. And so it's like, a, she reviews the whole, uh, she tells you, walks you through how to get the test, how to do it, reviews it for you and then writes out a specific plan just for you um and uh maybe she'll even offer like a 10 percent discount for listeners if they mention the podcast <laughs> so just threw that one in there yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh anyway but i appreciate having you on babe i know we have to go pick up carter soon so uh i'll let you go all right thanks for having me thank you